Hi, and welcome back to the First Quarter Club. I'm Joe, and this is Hannah, and we're bringing you new episodes every Monday. Hello guys and welcome back to the First Quarter Club podcast. Today we have a very special guest in Ariana Dunn. She's a life coach, business coach, a lecturer and a columnist as well and also dabbling in digital marketing. She really does do it all. So hello Ariana, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Thank you Joe and Hannah, thanks for having me. No worries. How is it in um? How is it across the across the sea in Ireland? Across the pond in Ireland, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm in I'm in Dublin, um, and uh, we are uh, still in lockdown. We're in quite a severe lockdown. We're a bit behind you guys when it comes to vaccines and whatnot. So, um, but you know, we're 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 coming out of it and trying to be be positive and looking forward to going absolutely wild when life goes back to normal. So. That's uh, that's how it is here at the moment. Like we're waiting for the twenty first of June. That's the big date that everyone's excited about. I know, I know. When that date comes around, there'll be absolutely carnage. I don't think anyone will be going to sleep, will they? Everyone be in the bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be folding up my clothes like, on the bed for like the next day, like we did in school, <laughs> in preparation. So excited. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm not too worried about there being any kind of recession in this country, anyway. I think once we once we're allowed to go out and spend we will spend in our clothes again <laughs> oh brilliant well thank you so much for joining us and, and like joe said in the intro it'd be great to find out a bit about your experiences and your journey i mean it sounds like you've done a lot right so um yeah if you if you would like to just kick it off by bringing it all the way back to your <laughs> early memories of the education perhaps your early profession that kind of thing and how you got into your first career yeah, absolutely. Um, so I did. So in Ireland, we have a different kind of educational system to you guys in the UK. We have a, a junior cert, which is your GCSE equivalent. And then we have our leaving cert, which is your A-level equivalent kind of. Um, so I did my leaving cert, which is my A-levels quite young. I was only about 16 when I did my um, my leaving cert. Most people in Ireland are 18 doing oh, wow. that. Yeah, that is really young. Yeah, so I started school when I was four. My, I'm one of eight kids. I have four sisters and three brothers. And my mum, I'm the fifth. I was the fifth child, and I was super inquisitive. So my mum just begged the teachers to take me when I was just turned four. <laughs> <laughs> so I got an early education, and um, yeah, so I I loved English in school, and and we have a point system over here as well. So if you want to go to university, it's all based on points and how many points that you get in your in your um, different subjects that you do. Um, and it's quite competitive, and it's you know it can be quite stressful. Um, but um, when I was in um, fifth year in school, so my second last year in school, I saw an article in a newspaper for a Ballyfermot at Media College, um, which was a higher education kind of just a step before university, but it was a, it was a really well-known media um, college in Ireland. And I I had grave ambitions to be the next t- big TV presenter. So I wanted, you guys are probably far too young to remember Donna Eyre on MTV Select. Um, but Donna Eyre was, uh, was a famous TV presenter on MTV. And uh, I just wanted to be the next Donna Eyre, basically. And um, I saw this this um, article uh, talking about Valley Firmer College and I cut it out and stuck it on a pin board and decided that that's where I was going to go to college. Um, so it was really good for me because it took a lot of stress out of um, my final year in school because I didn't have to worry about getting all these points because it was it was done on an interview system. 
um, and they did. They had. They were basically doing a TV presenting course, right? It's for like for you to go and learn how to be a TV presenter, um, and it was the first year of the course, so it was really exciting. And um, and that's what I did. My first year of uni, I, I trained to be a television presenter, and we had TV studios, we had script writing classes, um, we had uh, you know camera work classes, all of that kind of stuff. So it was super fun. But um, during that time, uh, we had loads of assignments and things, and uh, some of our assignments involved script writing. And the teachers were very encouraging of my writing ability. And so they suggested that I stu- should study journalism um, and uh, maybe give up my idea, give up my idea of being a TV presenter and uh, maybe do a bit more of a, of a professional job, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I decided then to carry on and stay on in Ballyfermot. They did a really good general media um, course. So it would allow me to, to study journalism across TV, radio, print, PR, marketing. Um, and it was a really, really good grounding in, in all things media. Um, during that time, um, and again, I suppose, you know, you, you mentioned offering some tips and tricks for any of your, your listeners. I I was lucky enough to get some really good work experience um, in uh, in some magazines in Ireland. So I we had to in our first year we had to get work experience, and I uh, did some work experience for a magazine called Kiss, which was the Irish version of Bliss <laughs> for the UK. Oh, right, okay, uh, like a teenage girls magazine, and. Uh, yeah, so it was amazing. I went in and I did two weeks work experience there and I actually got to interview Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child. And wow. I, yeah, like it was an incredible like two weeks experience. But um, I actually did quite a good job there and they offered to keep me on as a freelance writer while I was still in, in uni. Um, so it was really cool because I was I was still in uni, but I was getting paid like 300, 350 quid per article that I was writing. Um, and I actually got to have my very first cover star. My, I got the cover of the magazine um, while I was still in uni. So um, Cecilia O'Hearn, you know, uh, the author who wrote P.S. I Love You? Yep. Yeah. Um, the, the movie. And um, that was made. So, so my, my editor one time called me up and asked me to do an interview of up and coming Irish females. And uh, she suggested someone along the likes of Cecilia O'Hearn, but she probably guessed I wouldn't be able to get her because she was really big at the time. She was our she was also our Prime Minister's daughter. Um, oh wow. <laughs> Bertie Hearn, yeah, Bertie Hearn was our was our Taoiseach, our Prime Minister, and she was um his his um and her brother in law was Nikki Byrne from Westlife, you know, so she was like a pretty big deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, I got off the phone and I was thinking, oh God, how am I going to do that? I was still in uni and I was thinking, how am I going to, you know, get, do a really good job of this and get someone like Cecilia Hearn, who was like a pretty big star. And yeah. um, that night I went out to meet my friend uh, for a few drinks in, in Dublin, in town, and um, ended up in one of the toilets in a, in a bar called Cafe Ansen. And Cecilia Hearn was washing her hands next to me. You're kidding. <laughs> what are the chances? Yeah, it was absolutely unbelievable. Um, so I literally saw her. I didn't want to approach her in the toilet because I thought that would be a bit odd. So I followed her out and she literally <laughs> went for the exit. She went straight out the door. And so I just said, oh, my God, I just have to do this. So I ran out after her and I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, 
I said, hi, um, I'm Ariana, and you're not going to believe this, but my editor actually uh, rang me today and asked me to arrange an interview with you. Um, you know, and she was like, oh, okay. Um, she was like, look, here's my publicist number. You know, you can call her. And yeah, two weeks later, she was um, in the studio and we were taking pictures and I was doing the crossword puzzle with her mom and, uh, and she was on the cover of the magazine. So it was... Um, it's one of those kind of those tips and tricks that I would suggest is take your opportunities when you can get them, you know, um, and don't be afraid to, to kind of ask and, and, and you might just surprise yourself by, by, by getting lucky. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's incredible, though. Sort of like, you know, like how, how often do those chances come about? I mean, that's a great opportunity. And you just, um, I guess jumped for it, right? You couldn't have missed that. No, um, it was a bizarre. Yeah, just 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 picking up on like a couple of things you said there. So just taking a step back. So um, TV presenter, what kind of inspired you at such a young age to, you know, be on telly, be a, be a TV presenter? That's quite a, a challenging career, right? And, and especially when you're young, what was the initial inspiration for wanting to go down that route? Well, I was always interested in um, performance. Um, you know, I, I liked singing and dancing. As I said, I come from a big family. Um, and, you know, um, MTV, MTV was really big years ago. And that's not so much now, but it was like, um, you know, it would just seem like a really exciting thing to interview, you know, famous people and be on television and, I don't know, I just fancied myself as a TV presenter. I just saw them and I thought I could do that, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, so it was just, it, it, I, I didn't want a boring kind of nine to five job. I didn't. I knew I didn't really want to be an accountant or a lawyer or anything like that. I wanted to do something that was a bit different and a bit creative and a bit exciting. Um, and as I said, I, I literally saw this this course in, a, in the newspaper and, and it was the very first year of this course. It was the very first time, you know, they were offering this TV presenting course. Um, so it just seemed very kind of like serendipitous for me to want to do that and then for me to see this article. So, so yeah, I just, I just kind of went for it. Um, I didn't become a TV presenter, <laughs> but, um, but it was an amazing course and I met some incredible people on the course who all went on to be very successful in their various different careers, whether it be radio journalism, print journalism or television production. And, and some of them actually did go on to be to work in, in in television and to front TV shows, um, you know, so it was it was a really good course. Oh wow, yeah. fantastic! And it, I, th- I think it's it's not so much um, you know actually getting that exact thing, but the fact that you were so you know motivated at a young age and you had a an idea in your mind, and it's you, I mean you're in media, so it's it's like you've you've chosen a career path. It doesn't have to be exactly what you were aiming for. It's it's like you've picked up so many things on the way and you followed a, a very similar path. So it's it's quite admirable to have those aspirations from a a really young age I think thanks well yeah I mean I was always very um uh I always had kind of quite showed quite leadership skills so I used to my Mm. one of my first jobs when I was I was like 14 working in a bar as a waitress and um I was working there about six months and they made me head lounge girl. So I was actually oh, wow. <laughs> responsible for 25 lounge staff because it was a huge pub. It was this huge pub 
Um, and um, I used to have to do their, their do the roster every week and do their wages. I'd come in every Sunday and the, the boss would give me like, you know, rolls of cash and money bags. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to add up everyone's wages and put them into bags and I'd have to do out the roster. And this is all when I was still in school. So I, I, I liked that idea of kind of management and leadership and, and just being kind of in control of, of, of things as well. Um, so, so, you know, it, it actually, that led me more towards what my career that I kind of ended up doing because I, I then went to Liverpool. So I lived in Liverpool for two years and I did my degree in international journalism. Um, and while I was in Liverpool, like, again, I, I did some work experience. So I, I did some work experience with the Liverpool Daily Post and Echo and they had some magazines um, that they used to distribute free in our, in, in Liverpool. So mm-hmm. I got, um, I got a job freelancing with them as well. And um I was really cheeky. I was. I decided that I was going to be like a roving reporter, and um, uh, I was going to. I I I, 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 pitched, I pitched to them these ideas of like you know reviewing all the best cocktail bars in Liverpool or reviewing the best spas in Liverpool and Chester area. So I would basically just get like free facials and massages and <laughs> perfect free cocktails and things like that. Yeah, from 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 different bars in in this guise of being this roving reporter and and I would write articles about it and and they would publish them in the magazine. So um so yeah, I was just very kind of um cheeky I suppose <laughs> in getting getting what I wanted. Um so, so yeah, so I did in Liverpool, um, like before all of that, before, when I decided I actually wanted to go to the media college, I took a year out between school because I knew I was quite young. I was only 16 and I didn't want to go straight into college. So I worked for a year in a technology company um, as a, as a HR administrator. And then I went to New York and I lived in New York for a summer and came home just a week before the towers fell. Um, and then oh. I went, yeah. Uh, so I worked in a bar and restaurant over in New York and had a great summer, um, went out to Australia for a little bit and then, then went to college. So, you know, we're highly recommend, <laughs> highly recommend taking a year out and, and, and kind of, you know, really, really knowing what it is that you want to do before you go and do it. Yeah, because that's the thing that me and Hannah have, have spoken about and something that I've been considering. You know, I've been, I left work at, at 18 and, you know, I've been at six years at uni and it's I'm coming up to the end now and it's thinking, do I want to take a year off and actually go and live a little bit or do I want to go and st- start the next stage of, of my career? And, you know, sometimes I think, or I'll, I'll just go and do it, I'll go and travel. But other times I think, no, I'll just jump straight into that. But, you know, as, as you said, you sort of had the best of both worlds where you got to dip your toes into the media industry and you got to go and uh, travel the world a little bit. Yeah, and I think, you know, I got to travel a bit, like, during college, during uni as well. And I got, you know, I, I, I made sure I always had good summers and went to the Greek islands and I went to Australia again with my sister was living out there. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I personally think it's, it's really important travel like I I have um four older sisters three of brothers all from the same family big Irish family but um one of my sisters lives in Paris another lives in Brisbane another lives in California my brother lives in Nevada my other brother lives in Cyprus so we're like a big family of travelers and I am I really think that travel is you know is it's definitely an important step in anyone's life to be able to experience new cultures and I think it really just stands to you and and also I think you know I know a lot of people who through coaching through now being a coach who kind of regret that they didn't go traveling and that they kind of feel that they've missed out and so you know there's definitely benefits to to both avenues but um, 
It's just making sure that you don't have regrets and asking yourself, will I regret if I don't do this? And, you know, trying to figure out what the answer to that is, really. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so, you, so you said like, you, you spent time in, in New York. And was that a little bit of a culture shock? maybe spending that much time in New York or did it not really feel too different to Dublin? Well, no, I mean, I was, I was 19 when I moved to New York. Um, I had already been working for, I, I had worked for a year, as I said, at a technology company and I had kind of grown up a little bit in that time. Um, right. And, um, you know, I, 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 I just, I always wanted to live in New York, massive fan of Sex and the City, <laughs> which I later in life became a dating columnist like Carrie Bradshaw. So that was kind of that ambition fulfilled as well. Um, but yeah, no, I it was, it was definitely a culture shock. Shock, oh my God, there's a vast difference between New York and, and, and Dublin. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was brilliant. Like, I absolutely loved it. And, and you know, I, I had been in, in Australia for six weeks before going to New York and I had travelled around by myself a little bit. Um, I was 18 there and I went to Brisbane by myself for a week and I did the Whit Sundays and did some skydiving and I was just, oh, yeah, I was just like, ready for like adventures, you know. Um, so my, my, my best friend and I lived in, in New York. My uncle owns a bar there um, and so I was able to, to work in his bar and restaurant and um yeah it was just it was really really a fun um an exciting time it feels like a million years ago now but um yeah and then I came home like a week before the towers fell so I came home on September 4th um 2001 so um so it was it's a very was a very different city after that so I'm glad I got to experience it before before that happened you know yeah yeah so so you you returned back to return back to Ireland and then what what was your what was your game plan after then? Yeah. So said, right, I've done done the travelling. Now it's sort of time to settle on and, and move on. What was the, well, what was so, the game plan? So, so then I went to college. Then I went and did my TV. Oh, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. then I went to my TV thing, my TV course. Then I went to Liverpool, worked in Liverpool, lived in Liverpool for two and a half years. And my my big my plan then was always to move to Australia permanently. Like I just loved Australia. I'd been out there three times already. My sister was out there. And my plan was just to 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 go out. So uh, basically, I remember on my last day of uni, walking up Bow Street, I was meant to go into my final exam. And um, I walked past a travel agent and there was a flight to Australia for 600 quid in the window. And I just literally <laughs> went, went in, bought it. And three weeks later, um, I, I moved to Australia. Wow. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, okay. So that was, I suppose, interesting. So, so this is the, the first quarter club podcast. That was when I had my first quarter life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you did so much in your first quarter. So, I mean, like, it's just like you achieved so much in such a short amount of time. Like, well, if I think back to when I was, what, 17, 18, I couldn't imagine doing, so, like, the, the brave things that you were doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, going traveling and, you, you know, all those cultures mm-hmm. and, and all those different places at such a young age got it out of your system mm-hmm. and then could actually figure out what you wanted to do so tell us about Australia what happened yeah so basically I went, but that's when I got to Australia and that's when I realized that it was the first time in my life where I didn't have an end point um so up till then you know I knew, knew I was finishing school at 16 I knew I was going to take a year out that was going to be one year I was going to travel then I was going to to, to, to college and it was going to be a, a, a one-year course and a two-year course and another two-year course so everything had an end point you know and it was like mm-hmm. and then my my goal my ambition was to get to Australia and then I found myself in Australia and I was like oh 
crap like now this is just my life you know there's like Mm -hmm. no end point it's like my whole life is just stretched out in front of me now and every decision that I make from here on in is going to affect the course of my life essentially um so that was that was a a scary time you know because it was like oh okay now now what happens you know like (laughs) um or it, I, I, I worked over there, so I got I got a job a job. I don't know if you guys know um us if you've ever watched Australian MasterChef, uh, but George Columbaris, um, he was one of the judges on Australian MasterChef uh for like, like ten years or something. So he was like a bit of a celebrity celebrity chef over in a, in Australia. And I got a job working um with him. So I got a job just literally as a waitress in his in his restaurant. But then um over the course of working with him, he, you know, I talked about my 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 journalism skills and my PR skills. He was on Ready Steady Chef at the time over a Ready Steady Cook. And um, you know, we just we just got on really well. And he was opening up a new restaurant in Melbourne called Prep the Press Club, ironically enough. Um, and so <laughs> so I worked with his company doing that PR and marketing. Um, and I did that kind of on a part-time basis. And then I also worked with this big company called Shiavalo, which was like a, the Bang & Olufsen of the office world, you know, it was kind of like a, um, a furniture company essentially, but I did PR and kind of marketing and things like that for them as well. And lived in Melbourne, lived in St. Kilda, like, you know, absolutely had a, a wonderful time. Um, and unfortunately, 10 months into me living there, my, my dad got sick um, and my dad got cancer. And yeah, so I made the decision to move home um, because I just felt, you know, I just wanted to be nearer my family at that time, you know. So my my dream of living in Australia for the rest of my life was dramatically kind of cut short and I came home. Um, So this was kind of like that first turning point in life as well, when life gets real, you know, and it's not all kind of like funny things. So so I moved home um, in the March and my father passed away in the September. So I was very glad that I did make that decision and got to spend some time with him, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. So, um, so, but yeah, look, I mean, it, it's just interesting then how the course of your life takes, takes those turns because um, I came home and um, on, before I came home, I got in touch with um the guys in Kiss magazine where I had been freelancing and they um, had a, a sister publication called Stellar, which was like Glamour magazine, I suppose. Again, the Irish version of Glamour magazine. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, so I told them I was coming home and, and uh, they, you know, they offered, they said for me to come and have an interview with them about potentially coming on board as a writer for them. Um, and then in the same week, I went and interviewed for a job with the Daily Mail group. Um, so the Daily Mail um, were looking for salespeople. And as I mentioned earlier, I had always been quite good at sales. And I knew I wanted to work in media. I knew I wanted to work in, in media organizations. Um, so the Daily Mail having this kind of sales job was something that kind of interested me working in kind of advertising. So I went for the interview in both places and I got offered both jobs. But the writing job was offering me 25 grand a year and the sales job was offering me 35 grand a year so it was like 10 grand more um and one was kind of in writing and in journalism which is what I studied and the other was in kind of advertising which was like a new avenue but it was with the Daily Mail group which is the biggest media organization in the world at the time um and 
the um, they offered me a, a new, a, a completely different role to the role that I actually went in an interview for. They offered me a job to create their supplements and features department. Um, so they didn't have anyone doing it at the time. And because I had journalism experience um, and sales experience, essentially, they offered me this opportunity to kind of create my own department within the Daily Mail group in, in, in Ireland. Um, so, um, so I took that job and my job was to basically create brand new supplements uh so like a supplement being you know a parenting supplement so a 32 page Mm -hmm. parenting magazine or a 32 page travel magazine or a 32 page women in business supplement you know whatever it might have been so so yeah so I did so that was my that was my kind of first you know real kind of job in media and it's I kind of sold my soul to the I, I always say I sort of sold my soul to the devil um, and went down the kind of advertising route. Um, I was, went, went after the money, but I also got to to use my journalism skills as well and actually create magazines from scratch, essentially for um, for the Daily Mail group. So that's that's fantastic. Mm. That's so good. And I think do you know what? It's, it's an important point you've mentioned there. I think a lot of people go through that 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 cross path in life where they're offered a job or they're offered more money, but it's kind of weighing up the pros and cons of, do you know what, do I go with something that I really enjoy and I'm passionate about and I love, or do I go down a route that, you know, it might be a mundane job or not in your case, obviously, but like, I know I've been (laughs) up against, you know, job opportunities where it might be a 10 grand pay rise, but is the job going to be interesting? Probably not. Mm -hmm. Am I going to enjoy it? Definitely not. So it's kind of weighing up the pros and cons of saying, okay, should I go with something that I'm passionate about or not? So yeah, it's interesting to hear it from your perspective. Obviously you had two really good options there. Um, But yeah, just in terms of like cross paths and life choices that a lot of people go through, especially at a young age, it it can be quite difficult, can't it? Oh, absolutely. And it was so difficult for me, you know, um, like I, interestingly, I got offered a job as a writer in 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 Kiss magazine before I actually went to uni. They offered me a job as a writer, as a journalist, mm-hmm. before I even went and did my did did my degree. And I had to make a decision at that point as well. Like I was like, what am I doing? I'm being offered this job in the magazine that I want to work for as a writer, and I it could save me having to go to uni and I could just do this. But I decided at that point I wanted to have a degree. Like I realized that I didn't have one life to live and in my lifetime I wanted to be a person who had a degree. I was actually the first person in my family to get a degree. And you know, it was something that I just wanted to do. So I I, I had to make a that decision, the cross path decision to kind of give up this job that anybody would have jumped at, you know, um, to go to uni. And then when I come out of uni and being offered this opportunity again for to be a writer in a in a well known women's magazine, which is kind of like what anybody wanted would have wanted to do, um, and I decided to decided to kind of go down a different path, which is into into this advertising path. Um, now, in my case, it worked out really well because I was also still being able to use my journalism and skills and by creating these these kind of supplements and stuff like that but you know I wasn't in the journalism department I was in the marketing department and there's very clear church and state kind of lines that exist you know the in 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 big publishing companies like Daily Mail Group you know the editorial team hate the marketing the advertising team. <laughs> and the advertising team like hate the, hate the editorial team so I was really kind of like on the the borderline you know between them um, between, I was like, what am I? Who am I? And you know, like trying to reassess. Um, but you know, the money was just really good, and 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 my dad had just passed away, and I was well. My actually, he hadn't. When I got the job, he was sick, 
And so I was kind of thinking about my family and thinking about my mom, you know, and thinking about how I could help the family from a financial point of view and things like that. So it wasn't just about me necessarily. It wasn't just about my own um, aspirations. It was more so to do with those other things that were going on as well in my life, you know. Um, yeah. And I just kind of decided that, you know, maybe taking a job that was going to pay me more money was going to be the better decision for me at that point in my life. Just going just to segue, just I know it is really interesting. And I think as well, you know, Hannah sort of said as well about the happiness and about taking the job, but it is just that that life balance, isn't it? It's just trying to, you know, trying to be happy and that with the job, but also that the money does does affect um, does come into play sometimes so you know it is good that that you was able to find that balance yeah and like you know god it feels like it's going to be a long time before I get to there which is now <laughs> which is what I'm doing now <laughs> um but you're absolutely right you know like a, a big part of what I do now is about helping people to find that balance because you know I mean I suppose to kind of like fast forward I worked in the Daily Mail for four and a half years had an incredible time working there. Um, you know, I was earning a, a, a lot of money. So I suppose, again, tips and advice for anybody starting out in their career. You know, I actually just wrote about this today for my coaching column that I have with uh, Irish Country Magazine in Ireland. I My column is actually about asking for a pay rise. Because <laughs> um, mm. cause when I was in the Daily Mail and I was in there, you know, 18 months, I got headhunted. Um, and somebody came and offered me a job in 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 a different publication, another well-known fashion publication, kind of like the Irish version of Vogue, basically. And um, they offered me a job there, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is great." They are offering me more money, so I went back to my bosses and I said, "Oh, look, I've been offered a job somewhere else, and they're offering me more money." And they were like, "Oh, look, we really don't want you to go." So I was like, "Okay, well, what, what are you going to do to stay?" And they offered me a ten grand pay rise to stay. Um, which I was just shocked about because I was like, what? Like, they just had 10 grand sitting here that they could have been paying me all this time, you know? Oh, that's crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you don't know until you ask, right? No, you exactly. Never know that. This is exactly what I wrote about today. So you don't know until you ask. And a lot of people don't ask. People just don't make, they just don't ask for pay rises. So that was a very good learning for me very early on in my career and um, because I got headhunted again a year later and they got they offered me an eighth grand pay rise to stay so I got 18 grand pay rise in the space of like two years um but what happened was uh, that was great in so many ways but it was also quite unfortunate for me in the sense that I really wanted to move to London so I I, I had decided you know two or three years into working in the Daily Mail that I just wanted to work in London and I wanted to be where you know the publishing world was in London you know, my dad had, had had been passed away, you know, two, three years at that point. And my, my desire to kind of live in a different country hadn't really kind of gone away. And I, I didn't want to go back all the way to Australia, but I did want to kind of go to a bigger city and have a bit of a bigger vibe. Um, but it was difficult because I was on such a good salary in Ireland that every time I kind of asked for that type of money in the UK, I just got laughed at on the phone. They're like, yeah, like you're not going to get that kind of money over here, you know. <laughs> um so it was it was again another another find myself at another cross path um because I got um an opportunity to work in Bauer Media um huge uh, organization over in London um and to work on some really exciting brands as well at FH so I, FHM Empire movie magazine Q um music magazine and Kerrang so the men's entertainment titles and Zoo as well <laughs> the tits and ass magazine that <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, FA Time and Zoo sadly no longer exist. But 
it was an again amazing opportunity to be a creative solutions director working in the advertising but working on creative big creative campaigns um and uh they offered me a job but it, i had to take a 50 percent pay cut um to take the job um which was a massive decision for me to do um you know to move to london take a 50 percent cut but I weighed up that decision for a, a long time as well. And um, I eventually decided, you know what, like if I want to live in London, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, just 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 compromise. compromise. Yeah. Exactly. And um, and work my way back up. So, you know, that's what I did. I, I took the 50 percent cut, moved to London, worked um, in Bauer for two years on incredible brands, went to some amazing parties, drank a lot at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> very fun Can't very fun job um got to go to the old fhm 100 sexiest parties and the empire awards and the q awards and met loads of famous people and just, you know had a ball um and uh you know uh we were part of the what we call the skin tarati i don't know if you've ever heard of that expression before uh the skin tarati were people who we were broke as hell but we lived like rich people because we worked for for a magazine so we were taking clients out for lunches to like nobu and taking <laughs> taking clients out for lunch to you know the Hawksmoor and things like that and just expensing all these incredible lunches and then going home and having like beans on toast you know? <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah was, was it fake it till you make it Is that yeah the <laughs> exactly it was it was you know it was like partying up in these amazing parties and locations and hanging out with all these people and then just like living in squalor basically because you were earning no money um but no it wasn't it wasn't that bad and um yeah so that was really really fun and, and then I worked and then I, I, I left there and I went to work for Spectator uh, magazine which was Boris Johnson's old magazine that he used to edit and um, Andrew Neil was my boss so Andrew Neil I don't know if you know he presents the politics show on BBC and um he oh wow yeah, yeah we know you know, yeah, big, uh, formidable man who interviews prime ministers and, and whatnot. And he was he was my boss, um, which was which was interesting to say the least. Um, but he 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 really liked me. We got on really well. Um, but he was he was definitely a, as scary as he is on television. And uh, <laughs> I remember one time um, he was giving out to. We used to have these big board meetings, and and he was giving out to one of my colleagues and shouting at him and telling him he was doing a bad job. And I decided to stick up for my colleague <laughs> and uh, <laughs> kind of argued back and my other colleague started kicking me under the table and I turned around to him and I said, <laughs> I said stop kicking me under the table um, oh, brilliant. so I was this sort of loudmouth Irish brash woman kind of coming in and just you know not being afraid of, of, of that but um yeah, so I worked there. I didn't work there for that long because it was quite stressful and um, and I got headhunted and I got approached by Dennis Publishing um, who published like The Week and um, oh, like loads and loads of different publications, um, Auto Express and Car Buyer's Guide and all that kind of stuff. So I went and worked for them um, for a year and um, then I decided to move home. So I was in London for four and a half years, had a really great time over there. Um, and then Bauer or Dennis were making some changes to their to the way that they were doing things and you know they offered me a different type of job that I didn't really want to do and I decided at that point to move home to Ireland um, and I worked for Joe Media so do you know Joe Media in the UK so it, 
Joe is an Irish company and we have they have lots of different digital brands, Joe.e and her.e. Um, yeah, right. yeah. So I came home to Ireland and got a job as the head of um head of sales basically for for, mm-hmm. for Joe. Um Joe and her.e. So it was probably the biggest point of my career to that point, earning, you know, a lot of money. Um but uh, I came home and a lot of people who had knew me before I left were excited about me being back and you know I um, was in this great company and this great job and um, great brands and I built this big team and um, doubled the revenue from you know three million to seven million and was working on these huge campaigns and we were working on about 30 or 40 briefs a week um, and it was just wow yeah yeah like, like <laughs> it was a lot and we were winning a lot of that business um, it was really, really, really crazy busy. The company doubled in size. Um, and also we launched Joe in the UK at that time as well. So I was flying back and forth from London to Dublin um, as well as looking after the Irish operations. So um, so another cross path came into my life and this is where I met Burnout. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you at this point or like what age range? Yeah, so um, I was 34. Five, 34 34 okay. yeah yeah wow. yeah so like I mean the reason Jesus. I ask it's still really like to, in the grand scheme of things really young and you've achieved so much and you've gone through so many different roles and you've tried so many different things but I guess one question just that like cut you off a little bit yeah. is so just to give an example in my career um and a lot of people that I work with they feel that jumping around and having a CV full of loads of different roles is kind of counterproductive some line managers will look at a cv and be like okay you've stayed at this role for six months you've done this role for one year and you've done jumped around quite a bit but then i guess the flip side is okay you've you've managed to jump around and gain different experiences in different teams different organizations picked up loads of different skills um is it obviously there's a balance to that so what kind of advice would you give i feel like there's a lot of people that yeah. are scared to jump around because they might feel like their employer doesn't respect them if they're yeah, no, jumping to different jobs every year. Brilliant, brilliant question and totally, totally valid, right? So, um, yeah, like you have to, if you're going to do something like that, you have to be able to back it all up with valid reasons. And that's where I, that's what I had been able to do. My reasons were all very, very valid, right? Um, so, you know, I, I and, and I also had had good a solid experience so four and a half years in the Daily Mail so that shows you know that I had staying power and loyalty two and a half years mm-hmm. in power again you know pretty good so it was after that yes yeah, so I did uh six months in in the spectator and a year in Dennis then I did a year in them um, in 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 maximum as well in maximum media which is the owners of Joe Joe.ie and her.ie and stuff right so mm-hmm. so um however a lot, and in all of those cases, I got headhunted, right? So I got head, I got approached to leave. That's always a really valid reason to leave because it, you know, it's it, you're being approached, you're being offered more money, you're obviously be, being good at what you do in order for you to be approached, right? So, um, but also because I worked in sales, um, generally it's advisable. I would advise people in sales to always you can zigzag in your career, um. So, okay. you know, when you work in sales, you're, you're, you have targets to achieve. And every year your targets, if you do well, your targets go up, right? So it's kind, yeah. of, it's kind of counterproductive to work in the same company for more than two years because all that you're doing is chasing a higher sales target. So you either want to make sure that if you are going to stay in that company that you, you get a, 
better job or a better title you kind of move up the ranks within the company so you're kind of like uh, you know just rising the ladder there within that company yeah. or you get a, a, a different job in a different company and generally if you're good at what you do you have the opportunity to make more money if you kind of zigzag in your career but you have to you, you know it's not like you can just like go to a job stay there for a year not like it and then leave that's where the problems come in when from your cv point of view yeah so unless you have a very valid um explanation of why you've chosen to do your career in that way that's where the problems come in because people just want to see that you've got loyalty that you've got power uh, staying power but also that you're just going to be good at what it is that that you've been hired to do yeah no i think that that, i think that's a i think that's a really valid point um yeah because i i see some people sometimes they're here for three months and they go and they all they do is they chase the money but actually their reputation it's just okay well all he wants is the money you know when when things go badly or he gets another job offer he'll be gone yeah um so now that's a really so just just a a quick question for me as well is just like i mean i've been watching uh (laughs) been watching house of cards today and, and part of it is um They've got like a, I don't know if you've seen the show, but they've got um, a journalist who's hectic and really fast paced and everything's breaking news. What is the sort of the life like of, of an average journalist and an average like media publication? Because on the movies and TVs, it seems fast paced, everything's breaking news and everything's cutthroat. But is it actually like that in real life? Yeah, I mean, obviously. So like I, I, I wasn't a journalist. I was working in the advertising department for, you know, from that point onwards, we made, yeah. making the choice to work in the mail. But no, like, I mean, it's funny, like, a lot of journalists are pasty, pasty skin, <laughs> haggard-looking beings who are, like, you know, like, just exhausted all the time. Yeah, because, they, you know, like, a lot of journalists, no, in fairness, it's terrible. Journalists don't get enough, they don't get paid enough, you know, they really, really don't for their their for, for their for skill set. Um, and, you know, a lot of journalists are kind of told that they're lucky to be in this job and there's people lining up on the street to, to, to work in their position if they don't want to work there, you know. So it's it's really kind of unfair for journalists. I, I know I knew a lot of college friends of mine in, in London when I first moved to London. They worked for free for, for, for publications just to try and get, you know, experience and just to try and, and you know, and I know a lot of people have, to, have had to do that in internships and things like that. Um, but... You know, a, you know, it, a lot of the time you're sitting at your desk and you're typing away and you are trying to put out as many stories as you possibly can in a, you know, in a short space of time, that whole kind of clickbait era, you know, where you're just trying to get the, especially in the digital era now, uh, where people are just trying to get as many stories and as much audience as possible in order to get advertising and things like that. So it's, um, but it is, it is, it is super fast paced. And, you know, it, it was super fast paced for, for us as well, like working in, in, in advertising. Um, you know, yeah. there's loads of loads of deals and loads of deals we've done and conversations and meetings and client entertainment and you know it was it was definitely like uh, work hard play hard you know um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it it it's like I I again when I was in uni I, I can't stress the importance of all of this enough you know doing your your work experience I was really lucky when I was in uni. Um, I decided to do my dissertation on Kate Moss's cocaine expose. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Yeah. So it was having to do qualitative and quantitative research on the word cocaine versus white powder in, in the Sunday Mirror versus the Guardian and whatnot. Um, and um, I was actually really lucky that I got work experience in 
the Sunday Mirror, where the, the place that had broken the Kate Moss story, you know. So I got to, to do work experience there in Canary Wharf um, for, for two weeks and, you know, got to sit alongside the journalists who had broken the story. And, and it was so interesting. It was my kind of first experience working in, in a big organization like that because I was still in uni at the time. You know, this was the mad time of, of the world when we had, there was loads of money. You know, it was like 2004, 2005. There was no, it was a like pre-recession, pre the property crashes, all that kind of stuff. So it was just kind of crazy money that people were spending on on, on, on things like that. And I don't think that's the, you know, this was all pre even like Facebook. There was no Facebook. There was no social media at this time. You know? <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, no Facebook. No. Oh God! No, no. So literally, literally. When I started working in the Daily Mail, um, I, I was getting an invitation from my sister to join this thing called Facebook, and I was like, "What is this? Like, I'm only, I'm only on MySpace. Like, I don't understand." So, oh, brilliant. Yeah, but I mean, it's a, it's a really good time to work through, right? You've got experience of you know what it was like back then, and comparing it to now, it must be worlds apart. And yeah, it's just so it's it's good that you've you know been through all of those years and experienced the crazy times. You you know you I bet you've got loads of stories to tell. Um, and just going back because I know I interrupted you earlier. You mentioned you know you you get into thirty five. You'd been working all your life pretty much. Um, and you 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 got to a point where you're having a bit of a burnout or you know you're done with work. So what 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 happened then? What was your experience? With yeah. That? So basically, I just was working and and working and working and and you know working. 13 14 hour days and um you know not getting home till like 11 o'clock at night and not eating properly not sleeping properly you know waking up at 5 a.m and just stressing out and I started getting a bit you know I remember kind of like driving to work and I had like a little sports car like I had loads of money you know like everything and I remembered I remember driving to work and being like if I could just crash the car <laughs> on the way to work and just have a little oh, accident wow. um and I could go to hospital for a few weeks just so I can have a bit of a rest like that would be great you know like and um and kind of thinking okay like this probably isn't the right way to be thinking you know and so um I remember being we actually put on a a mental health talk funnily enough um uh, Joe is a big advocate of men's mental health and things like that we put on this mental health talk with Blind Boy for the Rubber Bandits who's a very famous podcaster and, and singer and sort of celebrity over here who wears plastic bags on his face I don't know if you're familiar with him at all but um, uh, he wears no. he wears like a plastic bag balaclava and he's a huge podcaster that like you should listen to him he's blind but blind boy for the rubber bandits and um he he was one of he was our, our headline speaker um at this event and I remember him sitting I was sitting in the front row and I remember him sort of he's very intelligent but he was saying you know and um, procrastination is one of the worst afflictions in Irish society and you know there's lots of people who procrastinate on things that they want to do in their life but they're just too afraid of failure to to do it um and he said you know if there's anyone sitting here who, who wants to do something um but they but you know they, they're too afraid to go and do it they should just do it you know and um mm-hmm. and like I had said earlier I kind of felt like I sold my soul to the devil um, all those years before and I kind of had given up my writing passion my passion for writing and I had always these ambitions to write a book and um, and I you know was just so tired of, of working in, in sales at that point I just I wasn't my passion for it was kind of gone I was just stressed I was just burned out and so I quit my job the next day 
Um, it was literally like one of those moments where, you know, Blind Boy was just like, it was like, you know, the root was just going to on you, you know? And I was like, people talking to me. Um, so I went in and quit, quit my job and I booked myself into a writer's and artist retreat in South France to write a book for um so I I literally booked myself in and two weeks later I went I moved to the side of France um and I lived there in a little tiny little village um with like 54 inhabitants and hardly any wi-fi and completely Mm -hmm. off-grid and just lived in this like little writers and artists retreat and I met all these incredible people from all over the world and had the most amazing time and ate lots of wine or drank lots of wine, ate lots of cheese and just, you know, just completely de-stressed and, and kind of got back into creative writing and poetry and all of these things that I had sort of forgotten was my passion, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I went to L.A. Um, after that, my sister lives over in Los Angeles, so I went to L.A. for six weeks. So I took six months off, basically, and um, again, came back to Ireland um, and at that point, I was like, right, I, I know I want to do something different. I don't want to be in that situation of burnout again. I don't want anyone else to be in that situation of burnout again. Um, and I want to use my experiences to kind of um, help people. And I'd met a lot of people, um, you know, in the writer's retreat. Um, but also over the course of my career, I was always that person that someone came to and asked for advice. So I was always being uh, approached by various different people and asked, you know, for people to meet them for a coffee. And then I'd meet them for a coffee and they'd be like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about leaving my job or I'm stressed or, you know, I, I want to ask for a pay rise. But I don't know how. And they were always asking me for advice. Mm. So I kind of realized that life coaching, business coaching, executive coaching was maybe something that I would be good at. Um, so I made the decision to come home to Ireland um, after six months off um, and I decided right, I want to retrain. So um, at that point, I took a job um, back in publishing just to kind of, um, you know, me be able to do what I wanted to do. So I took a job as the CCO, the chief commercial officer of a publishing company in Ireland. Um, and I told them uh, in the interviews, I'm not going to work all the hours God sends. I'm, I'm going to work nine to five. I'm not going to have burnout, but I'm going to do a really good job for you. Um, so they were aware of that um, when I took the job. And um, I, I basically trained as a, as, as a coach on the side. So um, worked in this job um, and, and, and retrained. So I retrained as a, as a coach three years ago. Um, in that time as well, I decided to buy uh, a house because I wanted to make sure I'm single in all of this, by the way. I'm, a few, you know, I'm still single. I have no kids, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So uh, I was, it was always just me that I had to kind of worry about in that sense as well. Um, but I decided, um, uh, I know this is going to be a very long podcast, but I decided to buy a house because I wanted to <laughs> wanted to set all my ducks in a row. Like I wanted, I knew that if I wanted to work for myself, which is what I wanted to do, it would be hard for me to get a mortgage um, if I was working for myself. And I, at that point, was thirty six. And I had been renting, paying a thousand quid a month on rent. You know, the rental market in Ireland is, is but it, the, the housing market is really hard. Um, so I basically went and studied coaching in this company called Mindstream. And in my first coaching, um, peer-to-peer coaching session that I had to do, which is where we, you know, we kind of practice coaching on each other. Um, I decided my goal was to buy a house. And I, at that point, had eight grand in the bank. I didn't have much money. I had saved 8,000 euros from the time when I had come back and started working. Um, and 
basically having put it out to the universe that I wanted to buy a house. Um, about a week later, um, I got a phone. I, I was on my AIB, my banking, my banking app on my phone, and that, an ad popped up for a mortgage calculator. And I was like, okay, well, look, let's just see, you know, if I had 30 grand in the bank, if I had 30 grand, which I don't, mm. would I get a mortgage? So I entered it in and it comes back and said, yes, you know, based on your salary, you would qualify for a mortgage of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh, okay. The next day, the sale, the guy from the bank called me and he said, hello, Miss Tom, I saw that you were on the mortgage calculator. <laughs> Did you have any? <laughs> and I was like, oh, look, you know, I'm not going to waste your time. You're in sales. I'm in sales. I don't have the money. You know, I only have eight grand in the bank. And he said, um, oh, okay, well, do you know about the government, the help to buy scheme with the government? And I was like, no. And he said, well, they, they offer grants to first-time buyers um, for new build houses. And it's based on the you know, amount of tax that you've paid over the years. And, you know, you, you can qualify for, you know, a grant of up to 20 grand. You know, you might as well apply. So I was like, oh, okay. So I went back into my desk and I went online and I went on to revenue.ie and filled out all these forms and it was asking me to fill out these forms p21 tax forms i don't know what they were i was just like whatever (laughs) and um anyway up three minutes later up pops it says that you've qualified for a grant of nine and a half thousand euros so i was like cool okay brilliant then then i had went from having eight thousand to having seventeen and a half thousand and then a couple of days later I checked my banking app again and I had four and a half grand in my account. And I was like, what is that from? And it was from the revenue commissioners for overpayment of tax um, from two years previous that I never would have known about had I not filled in these forms. So, um, yeah. So then I had 22 and a half grand. And then I went into work the next week and my bosses pulled me into a meeting and said that I'd hit my quarter, hit my quarter three target. And they were giving me a six grand bonus. (laughs) Wow. So uh, in the space of one week, um, from me having, having said I want to buy a house, in the space of one week, I literally went from having eight grand to 28 and a half grand. And I Googled new build apartments and one apartment came up, which is five minutes from my mum's house. Um, and it's a, mm-hmm. a three bed, 1800 square foot apartment, which I then bought and moved into two months later. And it's where I'm calling you from, where I'm sleeping. Oh wow, that's crazy! And it sounds like you're a bit on a on a winning streak there. Do you do you think that's? I don't know if you've got any like personal belief, right? I'm very into you know what you think about you bring about. Hundred percent. I mean, that for me was like a massive validation of coaching and and coaching in action, like literally putting something out there into the universe, saying that you want, you know, setting yourself a goal. Um, you know, had I not done that, you know, anyone maybe I would have gone, oh my god, this is a stupid thing for me to even want. Like I, I only have eight grand how am I going to get a house you know I could have I could have been thinking like that I could have been thinking negatively um I could have even not even had that aspiration or said that out loud but the Mm -hmm. sheer fact that I did and I do massively believe in the law of attraction you know that this mortgage mortgage calculator popped up on my phone maybe if I hadn't had that goal I wouldn't have even registered a mortgage calculator do you know what I mean I wouldn't have even I would have just pressed the x and closed it down and not even looked at it Mm -hmm. but because I had said that out loud I was it, it, it got my interest um, and that led on to that series of events of me being able to get the grant and get the cash, you know, the, the tax back. So I absolutely believe that, you know, and, 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 and I firmly believe this now as a coach that you have to, you know, 
set yourself goals, have the courage to set yourself a goal and, and, and believe that anything is possible and, you know, become aware of, of, of every opportunity that exists around you and really just kind of take, take every, every opportunity that comes about. And, um, you know, that's always been my attitude way back from when I asked Cecilia her in, in the toilet. Right. So, um, so yeah, absolutely believe in 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 the law of attraction and and yeah. So so I was really lucky. So I bought my house, and I, it meant that nine months later I did what any sane person would do after buying a house and getting a mortgage is I quit my job. Um, I had built up, I built, <laughs> built up a little side hustle. Um, so I had I'd been side hustling as a as a coach. I also in that time retrained as a celebrant so I can I, do, uh, um, I marry people so I do weddings and baby oh, lovely. yeah so um so yeah so so I so I so I, so I quit my job and um basically for the last two and a half years I've now been working for myself uh, as a multi-hyphenate so I basically am a, a life coach and a business coach I teach digital marketing I teach digital media I, I now teach coaching where I trained as a coach um uh, I, I'm a celebrant. I do some social media consulting. I work for Irish Country Magazine and I have a column with Irish Country Magazine, um, which is a, a coaching column. I used to have a dating column as well for, for two years with Stellar Magazine, which was that, that, that publication that I had mentioned earlier. So I, was, I had a dating, um, writing all about my dating experiences. Um, which was that Carrie Bradshaw thing that I mentioned. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, but I actually gave that, I gave up my dating column at the beginning of the year because you know it's kind of hard to date people in a pandemic, um, and it was just too 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 awkward to try and pretend that I was having Zoom meetings, Zoom Zoom dates, and whatnot. So I I decided to give it up and um, and have a coaching I now have a coaching column in Irish country. <laughs> That's crazy. There's so many things. It's I I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. Honestly, that's that's brilliant. In terms of in terms of your life coaching as well, is it one to one sessions or is it like people like come up to you, call you, email you, or is it groups? Like what kind of obviously in COVID situations you can't really do seminars and stuff like that. But so it's both. Yeah. So I do a lot of private one to one coaching. Um, and you know do a lot of it via Zoom at the moment. Um, I'm really fortunate that I actually. Like as I say, I teach coaching now. So where I trained as a coach, um, I I now teach the course. Um, so I'm teaching a whole new new you know new class of of, of new oh, new okay. coaches as well. Um, so um, I also do yeah I do corporate coaching. So I've worked with big corporate organizations, and then I put on my own kind of courses as well. So I do like confidence courses, do like corporate webinars. Um, but you know primarily it's it's a lot of um it's a lot of direct one to one coaching, and I'm just very very fortunate I get a huge amount of my business from referrals so people who've been coached by me have had a good experience and then you know refer me on to to someone else so um but yeah I'm I'm a multi-hyphenate so I didn't want to put all my eggs into one basket I, I wanted to do things that use all the different skills that I have whether it be sales or marketing or coaching or you know just using all my different passion points and I think that's the biggest lesson in my journey is that you know very early on in my career people were trying to pigeonhole me all the time you know are you a journalist or are you a salesperson are you an advertising or you know and you know you're always people are always trying to put you in these boxes um but now I'm so so fortunate I'm 38 um I work for myself I work my own hours I probably work about 25 hours a week and um have a really 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 nice 
um, balance. I, I got a dog. My little puppy's here playing with me while we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> um, so and that's obviously something you can't really do when you work full time and you work 11 hours you know 13 hours a day so um I got her I, I got her like a week after I left my my full-time job um so yeah I'm very very lucky and you know it's just all kind of come for I used you know what I used to be I used to when I'm when I first started working myself and, and I was getting I, I started my own recruitment company as well sorry that's another thing I do so I have a I, I started I have a recruitment <laughs> company um so yeah, so called Mentor HR, which kind of specializes in the media industry, and I and uh, you know a lot of what I do is about helping people get their CVs organized, you know, ask for those pay rises, um, you know, not suffer burnout, people who might be stuck in a rut, um, and then also mm-hmm. work with in from a recruitment perspective in terms of helping people get jobs. So everything that I do now is all about helping people. It's all about using my skills and and my own experience to um to you know bring joy and happiness into other people's lives and that's 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 what I try to do every day and I'm very very um lucky but I was going to say I used to say I was lucky but it's not about luck it's about hard work (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah it just it just goes it goes to show though I mean you've clearly put in the effort from a very young age and you've you know you've you've grafted those long hours you've experienced it all and you've got to a point now where do you know what you can sit back and do things you really enjoy and make money from it quite simply like you've, you've got to a point where you do what you really love doing for a living yeah. and that's yeah. you know that's the goal for for everyone it's that financial freedom yeah, definitely. Um, and I just think that's a great point just just a quick question as well just in terms of the whole like obviously we've been in this pandemic for the past year right so have you seen more or less people that are reaching out to you in terms of sort of life coaching business advice whatever it might be I've been really fortunate like in the pandemic like I've I've you know, I've managed to save money and pay off debts and, and you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I used to go out a lot and <laughs> go and spend my money in food and restaurants and holidays and things like that. So I haven't had to do that. But I've been so fortunate that in this pandemic, it's really, I suppose, you know, we talk about being in this time of awakening, you know, people being woke individuals and and, and, mm. and the pandemic has really kind of opened up this um, awakening for people of kind of being like, well, what the hell was I doing? Like driving into my office every day, you know, stuck in a, in a commute for two hours when, you know, it was actually possible for me to work from home or people are working mm-hmm. from home and they're, you know, they're finding it hard to find that balance. And, you know, we are in this kind of period now of, of change, you know, a lot of people, were getting made redundant or put on furlough or you know people were just kind of really just waking up I suppose to to a different way of life and um it's definitely meant that I have had a lot a lot more business in in from a coaching perspective those people you know on my LinkedIn I have you know I help people at a crossroads to make their their next decision in life Mm -hmm. and and I think that's you know really what a lot of people were at in the past year is definitely people find themselves at a crossroads and and as I've evidenced in this in this podcast discussion you know I find myself at lots of crossroads at different points in my life um and you know I think coaching um is something that everyone should do at some point in their life I think it's just a really helpful beneficial thing for anyone to do when they are feeling a bit stuck or they're just not sure of of what what their next step should be it's definitely something that I I'm a firm believer in and I and I highly recommend for anyone who maybe feel like that they they need some help in that way it's very very interesting to to sort of hear your opinion and, and I suppose being a life coach as well you have that resume and you have that um, that list of jobs you know saying that I've worked for here 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 and 
those companies and those jobs will bring different experiences as well, you know, whether it be a small company, whether it be a big company as well. So uh, I'm sure lots of people um, get a lot of value from, from your coaching. And one thing that I was going to touch on, I think you touched on it briefly, because when I was looking through the Instagram post, it said uh, celebrancy. Mm. Um, and I, at first I misread this for celebrity. And I thought, oh, okay. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I Googled it and it's very, very new to me. But so how, how did this come about? So um, I guess, again, it's just all about combining my passions. Um, uh, so I have done, as I say, I come from a big family. I've always delivered speeches at weddings and things like that. Um, I, you know, throughout the course of my career was always delivering big presentations, like getting up in front of people. Um, you know, that's another thing that I help with coaching is help people with public speaking and stuff like that. So I always quite loved, I suppose it kind of goes back to the TV presenting days in a way, you know, it's like, it's kind of like that idea of like presenting something. Um, but also I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm a writer. I love love. You know, I, I have my dating, my dating column. I'm interested in how people met. Um, and yeah, celebrancy and marrying people just seems like an incredible, an incredible um, honor to be able to do. So I, I like I said, I, I wanted to be a, a multi hyphenate. I wanted to um, not put all my eggs into one basket. I didn't want to leave my very well paying job to just be a coach, to, to, you know, to just put all my eggs. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I was like, what else can I potentially do that, that I enjoy? And, um, and celebrancy was, was, was one of them. So, um, so yeah, basically what I do do is I um I marry people so um and I you know we had the the marriage referendum here in Ireland back in 2015 where we legalized you know um same-sex weddings and things like that so there's a there was a big market for people who don't want to get married in a church you know and um you know the Catholic Church here has has, has been sort of gone through an, an awful lot of um controversy and things like that so mm-hmm. celebrants really just offer an opportunity for people I'm I'm an ethical celebrant so I perform wedding ceremonies that are all about the couple um and all about their love story um and it's you know completely bespoke and it's made with with them um and then I also do things like baby naming ceremonies so you know again if people don't want to have a traditional christening in a church um, a baby naming ceremony is a beautiful occasion to gather all your friends and welcome this new baby into the world um, and I also do like vow renewals and you know any any anything that is cause for a celebration basically um, <laughs> is what it's called that's so, so nice yeah and it's lovely because it combines my writing skills my presentation skills my my love of love um, and um, and you know I get paid for it so it's Nice. Must be really rewarding as well. It's something you can, you know, yeah. it's, it's a really lovely job to, you know, wake up every morning and think, you know, I'm actually going to make someone's day or be a part of that special occasion. I think that's lovely. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's it's an absolute honour um, to be able to do that. Like, obviously, that is actually one of the, one of the um, jobs that did suffer um, in, in, in the pandemic, obviously, because um, okay. we, you know, the, in Ireland at the moment, if you get married, you're only allowed to have six guests at your wedding. Um, right. Yeah. So, so you know, there's a, a, a lot of weddings that I had booked last year were all postponed and kind of like put on hold. Um, but I have gotten a few bookings in the last few weeks for weddings for like next year. 
um, and people are have you know 240 guests and things like that so it's like a bit of hope <laughs> coming back into the world of, of that and um, yeah all like baby naming ceremonies they were all cancelled obviously you know so it was that was that was that was um, tough but because I didn't put all my eggs into one basket and because I had all these other things going on um, it, it was it was okay you know so um, I think that's a, a big recommendation for anyone listening to this podcast if anyone want to work for themselves to try and have um, a number of different things to fall back on and and you know not you know because for me it's really important that I practice what I preach as a coach now I can't be like stressed out living an unbalanced life you know and I have to I have to be someone who who, who's been able to kind of figure out that that life balance and 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 I guess I suppose that is you know I do make make good money for myself and I have that financial freedom um but again it's it, it kind of opened my eyes up to it not being all about the money you know and kind of like you know you don't need to earn like lots and lots of money in order to live a full and happy life um, and and that's the lesson that I kind of learned as well so um loads of lessons for your listeners hopefully or I know or them silly it's been, it's been brilliant so many hints and tips it's been yeah even for myself do you know what like even the advice I've taken on from that has been excellent have you got have you got any um 2021 new year's resolutions or it's a bit late for new year's resolutions but what are your big goals <laughs> what are your big goals for the rest of the year or, or for the next five years what have you got in the pipeline I know you're big on aspirations and goals yeah absolutely so um so like uh, I used to live my life like you know fly by the seat of my pants moment to moment you know like not not a planner like spontaneity um, and then I kind of, you know, I, I, what I always say to my coaching clients is, you know, if that no longer serves you to be that way, if whatever way that you are is no longer serving you, then you can look at ways of tweaking it. So, you know, I decided I, I was having this great life and traveling and spending all my money and going out and things like that, but I wasn't having necessarily anything to show for it at the end of the year. So when I started coaching, yeah. I, I definitely decided to tweak that part of me and, and, and create some goals for myself. So, um, you know, uh, last year I had 10 goals um, and I managed to achieve um, five of them and the other five mm-hmm. were all travel related. So obviously, of course, yeah. do that. Um, but um, yeah, it was really, I was still able to achieve five. So I, I always recommend if you're going to have goals, you know, have, have a multitude so that you can kind of like tick as many as you can off and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. put whatever ones that you didn't get to do, you know, into next year or whatever. Um, one of my goals for this year was to do more podcasts. So here you go. I wanted to do more kind of podcasts, more uh, sort of webinar work and more public speaking whenever events kind of get back up and running, things like that. So that would be um, a good thing to do. Um saving you know I, I last year I wanted to pay off debts which I which I did so this year now I want to kind of save money and have some money in the bank um I want to do a dive a decade so I, I did my first skydive when I was 18 and my second one when I was 28 and I turned 38 oh, wow. I turned 38 um in June um so I wanted to my plan was to go to Dubai or some far off destination and, and do a skydive um which haven't hasn't happened yet because of COVID. Um so that's definitely something that I want to do is my dive a decade. Um I walked the Camino de Santiago two years ago with my mom um three years ago actually now and we were supposed to do it again last year. So that was another thing that I'd hoped to, to do this year was to maybe do another Camino um Camino walk. Um 
And yeah, I mean, staying fit and healthy. I joined CrossFit last year, so I'm competing in the CrossFit Open at the moment, which is exciting. I've never done anything like that before. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Excellent. So I was always not a, not a person who really loved fitness very much, um, but uh, uh-huh. since I joined CrossFit, um, I've I've really loved it, and it's kept me sane during during COVID, and um, being able to do that. So um, so yeah. So look, it's it's again, it's it's you know, I I do the the wheel of life with people when I do my coaching. The wheel of life is um is a circle that's divided up into eight different segments. So you have career, money, health, friends and uh-huh. family, relationships. Uh, physical environment, fun and recreation. Um, and, you know, um, you kind of grade your life in those areas on a scale of one to 10. So what I always try to do with my goals is try to have a goal that fits into each one of those categories. So you're kind of looking after all the different areas of your life by by the goals that you're setting, you know. So it's not all just career focused, but um, career wise, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how things are going. And um, yeah, it's all it's all good. It's it's it's. I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a happy, healthy position. So hopefully, it will continue, and we can get travelling again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. God, I was I was I was just thinking, like, if anyone says to me, "Go, have you have you been busy today?" I don't think I can ever say yes after <laughs> after listening to what you do. I mean, how do you, I mean? I say, I mean, if you like to keep talking, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. I've got so many questions still. I mean, how do you manage the work-life balance? You say like you're you're doing this, you're doing that, and that. But how do you how do you keep up with that lifestyle? You know, I'd be I'd be knackered. It sounds like you're you're on your feet twenty five hours a day. <laughs> no, but I'm not. You see, and that's the thing because you know I've kind of figured it out. You know, like um. Like, I just figured out a way of making good money for myself, doing things that I enjoy and not not doing, like I said, I, I work about 20, 20 hours a week. So I don't actually work that much. And um, so I, I I work for a magazine um, um, two days a week. And in, I'm the advertising manager for, for a magazine um, two, two, two days a week. And that gives me enough money to make sure that I have my mortgage covered and my bills covered and gives me the peace of mind to be able to then do other things so then you know I lecture on Saturday mornings and Saturday afternoons um so that's the other thing as well when you work for yourself right you you have a seven day a week um you know 168 hours in that week there's, there's, there's no not 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 in a negative way like there's no there's no weekends but like your weekends aren't the same as when you're working in, in a Monday to Friday nine to five right like right, okay. you know you're uh, like if I decide my weekend is going to be Monday and Tuesday this week it's because I'm working on Saturday and Sunday or whatever so so my weekend is going to be two two other days of the week basically or um if right. I'm if I'm working in the evenings because sometimes I lecture in the evenings or I, I have a coaching client or I record or whatever then I'll start my morning a little bit later you know <laughs> um so like today, for example, I, I, you know, I got up and I, I did CrossFit and I took my dog for a walk and then I had a coaching session um, for an hour. Um, and then I did about two or three hours of work on my on my emails, um, doing various different things. I had to correct some papers for uh, digital marketing students that I have and things like that. And, and you know, so it's, it's like you just kind of like fit. I've created my own schedule and um, and I'm able to take on work that I want to and refuse work that I don't want to and and again have that balance of understanding you know okay if I if I refuse this work it means I'm not going to have money coming in do I need that money for anything at the moment probably not you know like so it's about just being able to answer those questions for yourself 
and um, and make sure that you. Uh, the last thing I would ever want to do is, is suffer any more burnout. You know, that's 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 absolutely not 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 what I'm about now. So um, so I'm just very very fortunate to have found myself in this in this position, I suppose. You know. Your your story has definitely been inspiring. I mean, I've been maybe a bit quiet, but during this, just because I've sort of been taking notes and that, and and hopefully, you know, our listeners can sort of resonate that um, uh, and sort of follow the journey that you've had because I think it is quite a, uh, an inspiring one of really, you know, just really finding out what you want to do and then just chasing chasing the passions and that, and then sort of now in in the last couple of years of just sort of setting yourself up and. And really just being able to do what you want and having that freedom. I think that's something that's really, really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, look, it's my journey is all about just believing in yourself, believing in yourself, going after what it is that you want, enjoying yourself along the way. Like I had an amazing time working in, in the Daily Mail and in, in Bauer and in London, you know, like it was it was incredible. And, and my whole career has been fun. And, and I've had some incredible experiences. Um, and, you know, I feel like sometimes now when I talk about working for myself, it's like I demean what, what went on before. Do you know what I mean? It's like, because I'm so happy with what I'm doing now. It's like I'm, I, I kind of look at, at some that past experience as if it was like a bad thing. It's absolutely not. You know, working, you know, it's really important if you want to work for yourself to build up your experience, get as much of experience as you can, get as much diverse experience as you can. You know, zigzag in your career, take those chances, take those risks, you know, have those valid reasons um, commit to your job like I always gave every job that I had like a hundred percent and you know when you do that you get rewarded um, I was able to build up a really good network a really good load of contacts so that when I started working for myself you know I have like nearly 7,000 connections on LinkedIn right so that was good for me to be able to then work for myself and, and know that I had all those contacts and those people that idea of like being good to the people that you meet on the way up you meet them on the way back down or whatever you know um, yeah. it's that, that whole kind of thing of just enjoy enjoy your career enjoy what you do discover your passions you know believe in yourself and um, and, and, and take risks and you know that's that's how I've lived it and it's it's gone so far, but you know, there's lots of other things that I'm not good at. Like I'm I'm not I'm not married, <laughs> you know. Who knows? Yeah, probably could hold down a relationship. Um, you know, like there's loads of other areas of life, you know, that that could probably do do with some work from from that point of view. But you know, you just have to live your life as best as you can, you know. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a sort of a, a great sort of point. So maybe. maybe end on it as well I think you know just sort of living your life and just trying to be as happy as you can with, with what you do is it is really the main thing and I think a lot of like certainly I've put let's put it in perspective for myself you know during this this pandemic you sort of think well actually what does really make me happy because you know I spent a year almost sitting indoors and you think well once I get that opportunity that I'm allowed to go outside I'm allowed to do what I want what can I do you know what what is there and it's sort of at the moment I've just sort of been formulating a plan of like after this, I want to go do, do this and this and this. And it almost gives you that hope, that goal in the end to, for something to work for. So I think that's a really, really good point. Good. I'm glad. Well, I, I hope that, if anything, that you guys have maybe, you know, gotten some inspiration from what I've been saying. It might help you guys to, to go on and do whatever it is that you want to do. And, and you know, um, it's exciting. It's exciting to be young and at the start of your 
<laughs> I feel like I need to sign up to, to your lessons, to be honest with you, after all that. <laughs> well, you know, it hits me up on arianadon.com if anyone wants to be coached by me or anything like that, get in touch. There's bound to be listeners that, you know, might be inspired by this or or even think, do you know what? I actually do need some encouragement. I do need some guidance. I, I'm at that cross path that we've spoken about. They need just perhaps just pointing in the right direction or really figuring out what they want yeah. to do. So absolutely. I mean, you never know, right? This is all things happen for a reason. You coming on this podcast has ticked some of your goals. It's it's definitely helped out, us out and definitely. inspired others. You don't know how these connections That's work. This. Right? So, absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Ariana. It's been so nice. You too, to you. guys. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, yeah, best of luck editing this. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you get your podcast from and check us out on Instagram at The First Quarter Club. See you next week.